Thank you so much for tuning in to NL Newsday here today. It's Wednesday, October the 20th. Now, during his visit to Tecumloops on Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had claimed the Canadian government had released all the residential school records they possessed to the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation in Winnipeg. And he also told those gathered at the Powwow Arbor that the government would support efforts by the ban to help recover records still held by church organizations that ran the residential school program. However, just yesterday, the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation refuted the Prime Minister's claims. In a statement on its website, it says, unfortunately, Unfortunately, this is not accurate. At present, present, we are still waiting for Canada to provide the final versions of school narratives and supporting documents used in the independent assessment process to the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation. So already some conflicting comments coming from that. And this is on top of some in attendance who were not necessarily too pleased with Justin Trudeau's commitment to reconciliation and actual tangible action on the file moving forward. So for more, happy to be joined now by Shuswap Nation Tribal Council's Kukpi Wayne Christian. Kukpi Christian, thank you so much for your time and uh, how you doing here this afternoon? Very good. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for having me this afternoon. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking some some moments here. So uh, first and foremost, I guess, have you have you had a chance to reflect on, on Trudeau's visit here over these last couple of days? And can you describe maybe how you're feeling about it a couple of days removed? I, I'm, I'm imagining maybe your your thoughts have, uh, you know, you've had a chance to collect them here now 48 hours past. Well, I think, you know, it's really important, first of all, the prime minister showed up. I think that was sort of the important sort of, uh, quote, event because... Uh, for the survivors and all of the uh, people that have been impacted, I think it was uh, him actually showing, I think, was uh, was important. Uh, I think that uh, what we came out of the whole process is, uh, is how do you put it, status quo, more of the same. You know, I think that uh, there was no real commitments. I think he's got a really uh, tight script that he runs and uh, he speaks publicly around reconciliation and we've seen it and heard it so many times uh, actually when i was up at the front there he was talking people were texting me and saying when's this guy going to stop talking and do something you know little things like that people are getting angry and i can understand that but i think that uh, as i had said i just recognize that hey this is the prime minister canada he's got a lot on his shoulders we accept that yeah he made a mistake he's human and, uh, but we need to see some tangible action moving forward. And that's why I really sort of said to him that uh, it is around uh, the two words I use, Kanuk and Hawkers help each other, because to us that's really what this is about. Let's help each other. As horrific as this has been for survivors and uh, the atrocities they suffered, we want to help. Let's help each other. Uh, the second word that I used was Kanuk and uh, meaning help yourself. And I said that to him, you need to help yourself. And unfortunately, the advisors and people around him don't seem to be doing a good job of helping him because he seems to be making the same mistakes over and over and over. And it's a bit maddening, a bit crazy. But I do appreciate, uh, you know, what Cook B. Roseanne and the Kumipo, the council there, and the people of Tecumloops for bearing the burden of this for so long and uh, actually bringing it to the forefront and doing something. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a time of reflection, but, you know, it's no surprise. I think that uh, what's come out about the records that, uh, you know, he uh, misspoke or uh, whatever he did, it wasn't accurate. And that was just a bit crazy. But honestly, it was not unexpected. 
Well, yeah, even when he had first made the comments saying that the federal government has handed over all the records that it has available, um, you know, based on, on what we've been hearing from, you know, indigenous groups across this country since, you know, since the, the late May uh, unveiling of the, 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 the unmarked graves here at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. I mean, it, it, uh, those comments from Trudeau almost immediately felt like they weren't entirely true, whether that's coming from, you know, his aides that are helping him put his notes together or what, but, uh, you know, it always felt right off the top that something was missing there. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing, is that there's no, you know, there was no sort of uh, concrete sort of document showing that or, you know, a letter or anything that showed that the, that had actually taken place. So I think that was the, the issue since May, is that we've, uh, he said this, but nothing has actually happened. And I think that that's the frustrating part for us. Uh, and I think that, again, I think he's got to honestly get some better advisors. You know, he's uh, somebody that understands what's going on with uh, our people and understands these issues and get some help because uh, he's not doing himself any favors, continuing to uh, having to apologize. That is not good on a, you know, the president or the uh, prime minister of this country. It doesn't look good on him. He needs to... Get some help. One of the things that I heard you say on Monday in the immediate, uh, you know, aftermath, I suppose, or even during the actual visit itself while it was ongoing was talking about uh, reconciliation from a legal perspective. I was just wondering if you could maybe expand on that. What exactly does that mean when you're saying from a, a legal point of view, how does reconciliation begin there? Well, this is what Canadians need to understand. We're in this situation because of the Indian Act. The Indian Act was put in place virtually nine years after Confederation. And everything in the Indian Act was the creation of the residential schools. Everything in the Indian Act was to take us off our land. It was to you know, beat and kill the Indian and the child and kill, kill the child as well. It was to take us off our uh, lands, our hunting, or all of those things. So the Indian Act as a tool is what was used to create the situation we're in. And even the, uh, you know, the talking about drinking water, that is because of the Indian Act. And why I say that is you have this whole bureaucratic system that's designed specifically not to help us. They have all, you know, billions, $10 billion is put in that department. And the uh, clean water uh, issue, is uh, would be a non-issue we didn't have the Indian Act because we're not treated the same as everyone else. And you take a look at what happened in Grass and Arrows with the mercury contamination that was bringing has been brought to light for uh, over 40 years, and it took them 40 years to resolve that. Why is that? The Indian Act and that process slows everything down to a point where it does nothing. And I think the, at least this government has been trying to do something. I applaud them for that. But that's the, the legal aspect of it. Then you get the what's going on with the uh, Canadian Human Rights Tribunal. That whole process of the lack of on and off reserve uh, equity and services is because of the Indian Act. If we didn't have the Indian Act, we wouldn't have an on and off reserve. We wouldn't have you know, the poverty and what exists on reserve because we're seen as less than, and we don't get the same kind of resources that Canadians do, even though people think we do. And I think that that's the issue is the Indian Act and that whole process has to be dealt with. And that's what I mean about a legal uh, reconciliation. They've got to reconstruct because the astonishing part to me, there's numerous legal cases that our people have won across the country. 
and the uh, Canadian government has not put in place implementation of those decisions around title and rights, around treaty rights, you know, around jurisdiction for children, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I mean by a legal sort of uh, mm-hmm. reconciliation or reconstruction of that relationship. And I think that that's the that's what this government has been burdened with is the Indian Act and trying to work around it because, uh, unfortunately, it is still a piece of legislation. It is still active. It still rules our lives. You know, like I said there, it gave, it's given me a, a number of 60,238.01. That's my, that's my identification with the government. You know, and that's crazy if you think about it because that's no different than what happened in many ways with the uh, Holocaust survivors being tattooed with a number, what we've been given a card with a number here, and that identifies us. And I think that that's uh, the, har- the harsh part of all this. And I think that's what I mean by legal. That process has to change. Yeah. Um, do, they, do they have the, you know, wherewithal to do it? I'm not sure, but I think that uh, if people understand that more, they can see why this has taken so long and why uh, it still continues today because, uh, you know, the reality is, is Canada as a country has to change its fundamental relationship with us. And that's what the Prime Minister said, and the most important relationship was the one with Indigenous people. And I said, yeah, I heard that. I was there. But that's not what's happened, and I think we have to understand that. That uh, fundamental shift will shift everything, and it evolves around legislation. One one thing you said in there that just stuck out to me um, was talking about how you said how, when we're looking at the Indian Act, this Liberal government under Justin Trudeau has started to examine it but it doesn't feel like it's moved very far if the needle has in fact moved at all on this so yeah the acknowledgement that it's looking at it is is great but it comes back to those comments that you kind of mentioned off the top is there's a lot of talk and not a lot of action i mean do do you you said you applaud the liberal government for looking at it but that's really not going far enough is it well that's the point i think that's the uh and see, this is the crazy part of the politics of Canada, uh, that when people get elected, uh, you know, Liberal Party, Conservative, NDP, whoever they are, uh, they really, they, uh, they're really about their party. They're not about Canadians as a whole, because that's where you get into the nonpartisan or partisan politics that happens. And then you have to try to move things through that place to call the House of Commons, where you have these guys fighting with each other about uh, which... Uh, you know, who's got the best words to exemplify their party. And that is the problem with the system. And I think that, uh, you know, Justin and the Liberals have attempted, you know, they started, you know, when he got elected the first time, he said what he said, and he's, he's attempted. But I think they have to put away the party sort of mantras and mandates and come together for all Canadians and us specifically to change this dynamic. The Liberals cannot do it alone. The NDP, the Conservatives, you know, the Bloc, Quebecois have to get engaged and be part of the solution. They can't continue to fight each other. Meanwhile, the, you know, the, for us as a people, you know, we've been here a long time. We're still going to be here. You know, our mandate is a lifetime mandate. We don't get a four or, you know, three-year mandate. We get a lifetime mandate to get justice for what's happened specifically around the survivors of residential school. I keep going back that they were children when they were put in these institutions. My mother was a child when she went there, but she endured all that atrocity, that pain and abuse and suffering and lived so I could be here. 
We owe it to them to do what is right. And Canada has that opportunity, but all political parties have to clear the deck, so to speak, and really work together. And I'm not sure if uh, you know the, the Prime Minister and the Liberals can uh, do that. I'm not sure if the you know the the antics of the you know opposition parties uh, are, are going to do that. They have to get rid of that partisan nature and do what's right for Canada as a whole, and do right for us as a people and our relationship with Canada. Did did you get any commitment during your conversations between you know yourself? I know Justin Trudeau was in the room. Kuki Casimir was there. Like, was there any commitment during those conversations that were held, you know, not in front of a camera, in, in, in private, if you will, uh, that there will be an opportunity to, to follow up on this visit? Because, you know, we, we've said it a number of times, the talking points were nice, the apology was important, uh, but is there going to be an opportunity to sort of follow up and see if, if what was said on Monday is actually taken back to Ottawa and, and some actual movement uh, start to happen there? Like, is there going to be an opportunity? Did you get a commitment from Justin Trudeau and his party there? Well, I think there is a commitment. I think it's a matter of follow-up because, again, the process really was about publicly him showing mm-hmm. and the media and all of that happened. And I think, yeah, that's nice. We we get that. Uh, but we want to see some action. And I think that's the next piece of this because uh, I was really appreciated that uh, uh, Mark Miller was there. Uh, you know, he's, he was the Indigenous Services uh, Minister, and he probably will be again. And I actually got commitments from him to follow up on some of this stuff, simply because, uh, yes, we can talk to the Prime Minister, and that's why I was talking about the Cabinet. It's more than just the Prime Minister. Yeah. The whole Cabinet needs to engage in this. And so uh, I got a commitment from Minister Miller to do follow-up, specifically around healing for our people and our children, because that's the key. And I think that the Commonwealth is really clear, healing centre, you know, they need these things, and I think that's really important in terms of the long-term sort of recovery, you know, from over 100 years of uh, genocide. Cookby Christian, I uh, always enjoy having a chance to connect with you. I really appreciate your time here this afternoon. Um, just a- anything else that you wanted to uh, add or reflect on while I have you here? Well, I really appreciate this, Jeff, and I know that there are listeners out there, and I appreciate some of you had emailed me and, and said you appreciate how I... Uh, presented uh, in the respect we showed to the Prime Minister, but also your heartfelt sort of compassion and understanding of, hey, if this, this, the pain that you feel is the pain that we feel, but we've been feeling this for a long time. So to all your listeners out there, Jeff, I really want to say I appreciate you. I really appreciate you listening. And really important that you take the pen or the email and send a message to the Prime Minister and get them to take action, follow up on things. You know, we understand that, yeah, there are issues there, but he needs to see that it's not just us, Mm -hmm. but as Canadians as a whole, let's say, hey, something's got to change here, Prime Minister. Let's do something. Let's do something. And that's what I appreciate, Jeff, yourself. And, you know, I got some emails from different individuals, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, saying the same thing. It's really kind of interesting, and it's right on, because uh, it is about being human. It is about connecting. It is about healing. It is about that. That's part of the whole reconciliation process. And it's difficult for our people. But like I said there, we've been doing the work for a long time. It's now Canada's turn to do some of the work. Prime Minister specifically, his cabinet, and Canadian as a whole to understand the dynamics of uh, what we've been living through for over 100 years now. So again, I thank you, Jeff, uh, for this opportunity.
Well, thank you so much for accepting. Always appreciate it, and uh, I hope we get a chance to connect soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes, that uh, Wayne Christian right there, uh, Kupi Wayne Christian of the Shuswap Nation Tribal Council and uh, Chief of the Splatton First Nation. Thank you so much for, for joining me here and, and providing those comments. And yeah, public pressure uh, can definitely go a long way. So yeah, I think he, he didn't have a fantastic point at the very end there is uh, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, we all have the part to play in this um, and, and making sure that we voice our concern with how things have been handled to this point and, and try to see if we can uh, help force some change um, we, we can all play a role in that. So that was a very important message, I think, and uh, one that we all have an opportunity to heed as well. So my thanks again to Koopy Christian for joining me here today. Very important conversation on what has been uh, uh, an interesting week here uh, in the Kamloops area, specific to the Kamloops Indian Residential School, and of course those on Kamloops to Shaquemeg Land and, and all those who attended Monday's ceremony at the uh, the powwow uh, grounds there as well. So uh, really, really do appreciate him following up here with me today.